Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You come home after a road win like that, we should have a lot of crew love and the fans right there, so it'll be fun. Why not for the Bucks? Yeah. They got weapons at the right spot. He's a quarterback with an offensive lineman mentality. He'll make the yards when the game is on the line. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube today. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Today, we are going to be talking about and reacting to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Week 2 victory at home against the Chicago Bears. 27-17, your final score in this game and for the Buccaneers facing off against the Bears team coming into this that we knew was probably going to give them a competitive game, they certainly created some distance here in the second half of this game. But for the Bucs, just another week in a row where on both sides of the ball, you come away from this thinking like, man, what more do you want to see? Uh, obviously, there's some more stuff that we can break down in detail here, but First reaction to the game, I, I feel pretty good about what we just saw from Tampa Bay. Uh, slow start, but uh, again, incredible production on the offensive side of the ball, and even more turnovers this week, even though they were late in the game on the defensive side of the ball. We'll talk about all that more. But Evan, your thoughts on this victory for the Bucs as they emerge 2-0 and now after these first two games of the season. Yeah, I, I you know I thought they played a solid game. They played better this week than they did last week, and that's what I was pretty much looking for. Um, I don't think the offense is going to be perfect yet, and it wasn't. It was much better, obviously, especially to start. I mean, you take that first drive, and even though it ends in three, a little bit of disappointment there uh, that you couldn't cash in on a touchdown after such a long and successful drive does kind of suck. Left a little bit to be desired uh, in the red zone, which could have made this game even more of a blowout. But um you know, there, there, there's things they, they got to work on, but at the same time, like this offense showed a ton of progress from one week to another. So I do think there's a lot of positives there. The run game, I, I still thought it's a little bit of fool's goal because like to me, <laughs> does not feel like they had as many rush yards as they did. Um, I, I was pretty surprised uh, to see that they had um, – well, let's see. 120 trying, rushing yards. I was trying to 317 yeah. through the air. Yeah, I, I, 120 rushing yards doesn't feel like that. It just doesn't doesn't feel like they had that much of a, of a productive day. They were running the ball a lot, which at times was a little frustrating. I thought they committed to the run a little bit too much at times, but uh, yeah, and the, the defense I thought played well outside that first drive. Um, first drive, I don't know what was really going on. They were they were just sort of marched down with ease and you were thinking, Oh boy, you know, is this going to be sort of a, a higher scoring game than a lot of people expected? Like, you know, both teams, I think both, a lot of people figured both offenses may struggle a bit in this game. 
Uh, is this going to be sort of like uh, one of those games where it's a little bit higher scoring, but the defense was able to buckle down pretty quickly and um, be able to come away with it. So, and then obviously, like you said, the turnovers coming uh, later on, but uh, had, had pressure, I think what, six or, or seven sacks. Um, so big days from a lot of the defensive line and, while you know the the Bears held them out sometimes, I think Justin Fields held onto the ball a little bit. Like if I'm a Bears fan, I'm probably thinking like you might have a bust on your hands, like just just looking at it. But uh, regardless, yeah, I mean the Bucks, like I said, they didn't play perfect, but you know, two and zero, two and zero is two and zero, uh, and you're not going to take that away from them now. 437 total yards of offense for the Bucks. Again, 317 of those passing yards. 120 rushing yards, averaging 6.4 yards per play. Eight for 15 on third down and one for one on their one fourth down attempt for the day. So Todd Bowles now undefeated on fourth down conversion attempts uh, as head coach of Tampa Bay. Actually, let me not say that because I don't know if that's correct. 2022, they may have missed some. But wanted to talk about the offense first and foremost. Baker Mayfield, the quarterback, 26 for 34, 317 yards and a touchdown you talk about marginal improvement week to week with this young Buccaneers offense, and we certainly saw a big step in what they are capable of today. Now, that 70-yard touchdown, uh, I'm sorry, that 70-yard gain from Mike Evans certainly helped pad these stats just a little bit. But this quote from Todd Bowles sums up everything we need to know about Baker Mayfield after two weeks in this Buccaneers system. We don't need Baker Mayfield to build the engine. We just need him to drive the car. And uh, another week with no turnovers, no interceptions for Big Bake. And you got to like what you've seen from the guy. A lot of good decision-making out there today. Yeah, I thought there was there was some good stuff. And, you know, he missed a few throws. Obviously, second week in a row, he's missed a touchdown, like missed that touchdown to Chris Godwin, but he made up for it with a few big throws. And I, I thought he uh, they worked the play action well. I thought he used his legs well. He, I mean, the Bucks didn't allow a sack today. And a lot of it, though, was because of Mayfield avoiding it. It wasn't because the Bucks offensive line played great. I, I think they played better last week than they did this week. Um, but I think Mayfield really helped him because he was just uh, being able to avoid those sacks, creating stuff with his legs. And it was a real bonus to the Buccaneers. So, um, yeah, I, I thought Mayfield again, you know, did, did a great job. Uh, and and the big thing is zero turnovers again. Uh, he has zero turnovers on the season now. He did get away with one. Probably should have been picked, you know, like the second pass of the game or whatever should have been picked. But um, you know, it's it, it's it's important to for this offense, I think, to to limit the turnovers, especially a guy like Mayfield that has had issues in the past with turnovers. That I think it's encouraging that you're able to see him be able to move the ball consistently. Uh, without turning the ball over and and not be too risky uh, and not push the ball downfield as much. Like, take what it gives you, right? Take what the defense gives you. I think he did that a lot today. Yeah, that opening drive in particular, a couple of almost turnovers from the Bucs to spike the old blood pressure. Uh, Of course, the Cody Malcoding call as well. But again, they were able to come up with points. And in a game like that, that proves to be the difference at the end of the day. The slight overthrow from Baker to an open Chris Godwin in the end zone. You know, that's the stuff that we've referred to in the past, and I feel like that's something you're just, I mean, obviously you're just going to see it, but I feel like you're going to see it for at least a few more weeks, right? Like whether it's the chemistry, uh, whether it's Baker feeling fully comfortable in the pocket, whatever the situation may be, it's going to take him a few more weeks to kind of dial in uh, some of those throws. But even then, there's going to be certain throws this season that he tries to make that he's just not going to make because, well, he's not Tom Brady. 
Um, it's as it's as simple as that. You know, that's the best way to put it for a lot of people comparing the quarterback play uh, from this year to last year and some of the things that are going to be different. Obviously, some throws going to be off target, but luckily that overthrow to Chris Godwin in the end zone didn't end up biting the Bucks later on in this game. Talking a little bit more about the offense, I wanted to talk about the run game before we talk about some of the top receivers. Rashad White, uh, marginal improvement again for him this week. 17 carries for 73 yards, averaging 4.3 yards a tote. He also found the end zone this week. So, interestingly enough, we said this week on the preview show that we should expect a healthy dose of this run game early and, early and often for the Bucs, right? Uh, and that's exactly what we saw. I think the first 30 plays of the game more than half of them were runs. I think it was like 17 rushing attempts to just 10 passing attempts or 11 passing attempts at some point in the game uh, right before that 30-play mark. You said that it, it it didn't feel as as if they were as productive as they were. And again, 120 yards in the box score does not lie. Rashad White, 73 yards on 17 carries. Baker Mayfield, 17 yards on 16 carries. Maybe that's why it doesn't feel like 120 yards. Uh, Chase Edmonds, 12 yards on two carries. Devin Tompkins on the end around had 11 yards. And uh, Sean Tucker, only seven yards on eight carries. So interesting there. But another week in a row where not only have the Bucks shown that they can control the clock by running the football and they can get over 100 yards on the ground, but, I mean, Rashad White showed us improvement. The running game improved from where it was last week, but... I, I kind of get what you mean and how it feels like it was a little anticlimactic this week. Do you think that's just a testament to to how well the offense played all together? Or is it just like the, the situational, you know, the situational circumstances of how these running backs were used? Well, here's the thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to see Tampa be a good running football team. Like, I just don't know if they have the personnel for it, you know, like, but it can be better and it can be, and it has been better so far than it was last year. So like, I still think there's a lot of room for improvement, but I also think that it's been better. Now this week, it was better than last week. So you're hoping next week and next week's going to be a little bit tougher because I think, uh, you know, Philly's front seven is much better than Chicago's or Minnesota's. Um, but I, I do think it's, it is good progress to see. And just like I've been saying, like, I don't think this is going to happen overnight. Like this bugs run game was so bad last year that I, the turnaround is not going to happen like that. Like it's, it's not going to happen. The, 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 turnaround, the turnaround they've already made is, is pretty remarkable considering, like you said, just how historically bad they were last season. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of mess to clean up there. Like, like, like there, there, there is a lot. So, you know, you weren't great last week. Did the job though. And you were better this week. That's all you can ask for, I think. And I do think some of the runs were a, a bit in predictable spots trying to run the clock out. I, I don't necessarily agree. I thought they should have been a little bit more aggressive with some of those runs. Um, maybe turn them into passes instead when you're trying to run the clock out. Think Chicago was just stacking the box so much. And they're down a couple of guys in the secondary and uh, really wanted you to run the ball. And you weren't really giving it to them. So it, it, it's... To me, I would have personally just rather run the ball a little bit less, uh, but like I didn't, I didn't have a, a huge issue with it. I've seen this mentioned in the chat. I don't wanted to ask you about it. Rashad White being your lead back for the second week in a row. We saw that hesitancy 
in his run game sneak in again, where he kind of waits a second, evaluates his blocks. A lot of people are always going to compare it to Le'Veon Bell. Anytime I hear any running back ever who takes a second to evaluate behind the line of scrimmage, they call it or they compare it to Le'Veon Bell. But we saw it another week in a row from Rashad White. And while I was just praising him for improving his numbers this week, which he definitely did do, and I like the improvement that we saw, is this hesitancy to run the ball sometimes? Do you think it is just a lack of experience, or do you think that's just kind of how he runs the football? Uh, I think it's probably just how he runs. I just think it's how his style is. Uh, I think that's just how he feels comfortable. Um, I think it's can be good and can be bad. Obviously, I, I think it can be bad because sometimes, you know, it's better if you just go and hit the hole right immediately. Just go, you know. And but other times, it's better to be patient because those holes and those lanes can open uh, if if you're patient enough. But um, I, I thought it was a little bit better today. I didn't think it was as obvious today uh, as it was uh, in Minnesota, where I was like, man, like he is just like he just like, barely. Like moving, like like move your feet, man. And um, so I, I did think it was a little bit better today. And also, just saying, betting the Bucks said he was going to get over 17 and a half receiving yards, five catches for 30 yards. So just saying, uh, DJ Moore over 44 and a half receiving yards basically got that on the first drive. So. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And and Bucks minus two and a half, and Shaq Barrett with a sack. So. Not uh, too shabby for betting the bucks, but I'm a little um, I'm a little sour that uh, my co Keith anytime touchdown didn't hit today, but that's yeah, all right. he know, didn't even get a target today. Yeah, he he really didn't, which I I was surprised. I mean, I, we can't be too upset because uh, the overall effectiveness of this offense is is still kind of insane. Like I I did not think coming into this game, even best case scenario, uh, the Bucks were going to come out of this with over 400 yards of total offense. I mean, this is. Which, this is an anomaly, even in comparison to last year's roster. Still makes it a little bit disappointing that you only get 20 points out of it. But true. Um, I mean, obviously, they left some points there. Like I said, Mayfield misses Godwin on a touchdown. You settle for three. That's four extra points right there. You get the field goal blocked. That's a whole seven points. Right. So you, you left you left seven points out there. Um, so, yeah, you didn't play a perfect game. And that's not including any of the other ones where you settle for field goals instead. So they got to get better at that for sure. It's the second week in a row scoring 20. Um, you're not going to be able to beat you know some of the other teams you got on your schedule just scoring 20. But again, the offense, just like you said, may not have showed up on the scoreboard. But it showed up on the one, the box score, and two, when you watch the game, like the Bucks offense was moving the ball like almost at will at times. They sort of slowed down towards the end, got a little bit too cons- like I said, I just think they got a little bit too conservative towards the end uh, of the game. I think you know after like the ten minute mark of the fourth quarter, just it felt like a little bit too conservative for me. Um, but when they wanted to move the ball, they were able to. They were efficient on third down. Uh, Mayfield was really good on third down today. They converted the one fourth down. Uh, and they got the job done. So again, with this offense, that's that's what you can ask for right now. And I think you know, they're accomplishing that. And a big thing again is zero turnovers. Like that's just that's always going to be massive. Second week in a row, the Buccaneers win the turnover battle. Second week in a row, the Bucks have absolutely dominated the time of possession as well. Thirty-five fifty-six for the Bucks, only twenty-four oh four for Chicago. And I know we talked about the room for improvement left in this Buccaneers run game, but one of the things that they have done well. This week in particular is just allow the Bucks to hang on to the football. I mean, two weeks in a row, the Bucks have absolutely milked the clock for all that it's worth. And, uh, you know, despite a couple of late game turnovers, they were able to kind of burn this one away yet again today. 
which you really do like to see. That late-game execution is going to take you a very long way. Let's talk about the receivers, man. It's about time. Your leading receiver. Who else? Big number 13. Six catches, 171 yards for one Michael Lynn Evans. He also found the end zone and got a touchdown for Tampa Bay, averaging 28.5 yards a catch. Now, if you take away that 170-yard reception, Mike Evans still had 101 yards on the day through five catches. So, safe to say uh, you like this early season production from Mike Evans because this time last year, we were wondering where the hell he was at. You know, we weren't sure where his chemistry with Tom Brady was. We weren't sure if he was happy with the team or whatever was going on. We know a little bit more about his business between him and the team this season, but his production so far through these first two games is uh, is pretty damn good. Almost a quarter of the way there for a thousand yards on the season uh, through these first two contests. I really like what we saw from Mike Evans today. And you know who else really likes it? Mike Evans' agent. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, he, he made a, a lot of plays. Did get away with a push off. Um, yeah, it created some space on that 70 yard yeah. uh, reception, if I do say so myself. Kind of got away with one on there. Did get away with it, but hey, if they don't call it, whatever. Um, but then obviously, yeah, had the nice touchdown, had the really nice catch where I thought Mayfield was basically throwing it away. Yeah. Uh, Evans leaps up for it, makes a move, and, and gets about, you know, 10 yards or so after the catch. Um, a really, really nice move there. But yeah, I, I thought he's looked great. And I thought, you know, the chemistry between him, him, he and Mayfield. I was gonna say him and Mayfield. Words are hard, just like you say. Uh, but it's it's shown off in the early going here in this season. So hopefully it, it can continue. Um, yeah, I mean six six for one seventy one and a touchdown is pretty ideal for for Mike Evans. So is it is that sustainable every week? One hundred seventy one yards, probably not. But like six catches, seven catches. I think that should be the goal for Mike Evans. You know, every week, sometimes even more. So I do think that they're feeding him the ball plenty, and Mayfield's finding him. So that's that's really good. Another productive week for Chris Godwin. He extends his streak, the active, uh, the longest active streak in the NFL for a player. Uh, for games in a row with at least five receptions, Chris Godwin, another game today, five receptions, 58 yards, no touchdown, but uh, he'll find the end zone here soon. Definitely like what I've seen between Chris Godwin and Baker Mayfield. You know, I, I said before the season that, honestly, I think even more so than Mike Evans, Chris Godwin is going to quickly become a favorite target for Baker Mayfield because he's good at the dirty work. He's good at the underneath routes. He's good at a screen pass. You know, he's just a good physical receiver who's going to make that play. And we saw him reach out for that little bit extra and make that play late in the game, week one against Minnesota, but another solid performance today. Kate Otten, six catches for 41 yards. Rashad White, five catches for 30. Trey Palmer, one catch for 20 yards, which was one hell of a play, by the way. Big play, Trey Palmer. Rakeem Jarrett got his first NFL catch today for seven yards. And uh, David Wells, the tight end, two catches. For negative 10 yards, uh, the tight end usage today definitely was a weak point if we're you know highlighting weak points uh, to nitpick about on this Buccaneers offense. There was literally less than zero production from the tight end room today. Uh, you just mentioned Kate, oh, Kate Otten. Six Excuse me, I'm yards. sorry, I'm sorry. Well, David Wells. <laughs> David Wells. Well, me... uh, David Wells, that, that's that skewed because the fumble, the fumble yards. Oh, you're That's why he has minus 10 um because he caught the ball but then the, the ball went backwards so um 
Yeah, like I thought everybody contributed. I mean, you know, Raheem Jarrett had his first career catch. Trey Palmer having a big play. Uh, I I personally think that they sort of went away from Chris Godwin when they shouldn't have. I think in the second half should have gotten him a bit more involved. He was involved early in the game. I thought he should have been a bit more involved as this game wore on. I just think he can do so much more uh, in this offense, but it is what it is. I'm sure he'll get his. Like, I'm not worried about it, but would have liked to seen Chris Godwin involved a little bit more. But, I mean, yeah, six, five, six, five, and then one, one, two. Like, you, you're spreading the ball around enough. Um, you got four different guys guys with at least five receptions and I think that that's good because you know you're using your playmakers as well and you gave the ball to Rashad White a few times in open space and had him do some work and Kate Otten sort of a check down type of guy uh, that made some plays converted some first downs and Mike Evans obviously the big plays Chris Godwin more of a chain mover type but yeah like I said it these guys are learning a brand new offense as well. So it's, it's all a, a process right now. And I think they're right now they're processing it very well. Just a reminder, the phones are on for this post game episode of the cannon fire podcast. 305-224-1968 is the number to call. And the meeting ID is right there on your screen. Give us a call. Your thoughts on Baker Mayfield, and the Buccaneers offense. But until then, let's talk about the other side of the football. The offense played a very well-rounded game very productive. You got to like what they have seen. Just about the same on the other side of the football. I, you know, I know we talked about the gripes on the opening drive, uh, zone coverage, giving up a lot of chunk plays to DJ Moore, but they clamped down after that. And I thought this was going to be a game where you felt the absence of a guy like Carlton Davis more than you did. Ultimately ended up losing Jamel Dean throughout the course of this one, but the defense that still finished with two interceptions on the day and uh, a boatload of sacks. So for what it's worth, holding Chicago to only 260-something yards while pretty much on the other side of the ball producing almost twice that, it's another week in a row where you feel pretty damn good about what the defense put on the field. Yeah, and, and you know, I was sort of surprised. That, I don't know what the Bears' offense is. Like, the Bears' offense is brutal to watch. Like, I mean, Khalil Herbert averaged five yards a carry, seven carries for 35 yards. Like I don't, I don't understand why they didn't run the ball more. The game was never that out of reach. Like the, the, it wasn't a ten point game until it was twenty to ten. Like it, it was still a close game the whole time. I'm not sure why um, they decided to go away from the run game, but the Buccaneers, yeah, they clamped down. I mean, field sixteen completions for twenty nine yards, two hundred eleven yards passing. I mean, you know, they were able to limit him and limit him on the ground. Four attempts for three yards. Like, don't ask me why the Bears are only running four times. Like, I think you should play to a strength and run it more. But four attempts for three yards. I mean, that is just pretty remarkable um, to be able to hold a guy like Justin Fields who can beat you with his legs and is so dangerous with his legs to be able to beat you like that, I think, is massive. And if the Bears were a team that were losing by 14 the whole game, then I could understand it. But, no, this was a one-score game until those, you know, back-to-back turnovers in the fourth quarter. It, it was yeah. – it was pretty close like the Bucks had them yeah. you know they, they took a couple of two possession leads but the Bears kept it a game until the last five minutes and and like you right. said it, it doesn't really do enough to justify uh the lack of running back use especially from a guy as productive as they had today yeah yeah of course and uh we have a two-hour super chat from <laughs> not sure who that is but uh <laughs> um yeah you know it's it, it is nice appreciate the two dollars uh by the way of course Go check out the channel. It's a pretty nice channel, I think. 
pretty cool. Right. But um, yeah, the, the and then the defense just, you know, you're not going to get constant pressure for every single snap of every single game, but they're just, you know, smothering him, making fields uncomfortable, making him not be able to step up in the pocket. I thought Vita Vey was great today. Um, Shaq Baird, I, I think w- w- was good. Obviously the pick six was a great play. Um, as, as far half, as rushing as the passer goes earlier I, in the game too. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I thought he was good. Uh, then Joe Charnashwinka, I thought was really good today as well. Had that one great jump on the sack. Um, but really, I, I thought the defensive line played well. Linebackers were a little bit quiet. Levante David made that one play on the third down. Uh, other than that, I thought Devin White had a pretty quiet game, but the one thing I wanted to, to get at when you said, uh, about Carlton Davis being out. And I think it's a testament to Zion McCollum and Christian Isian. Christian Isian, who was yeah. questionable to play. There was no guarantee that Christian Isian was going to play. He was in the concussion protocol, was able to suit up and go. Also got his second interception in as many career games. So pretty cool for Isian there. But uh, I just think it speaks to how they played. They played pretty good. And they stepped up to the challenge with Carlton Davis out. Jamel Dean went down for a little bit and they didn't get exposed. So I, I think it's huge for guys like that, younger guys like Izzy and McCollum to be able to step up when the defense needs them. And that's exactly what they did. A sack for Cam Gill, half a sack for Yaya Diaby, one sack on the day for Shaq Barrett, a sack and a half for Vita Vea, and then two sacks, as we had just mentioned for outside linebacker Joe Tryon Shoinka. A total of five sacks today for the Buccaneers defense. This defense has been very productive over the first two weeks of football. Now, I know we talked about the Vikings proving to not be a very strong team after their first two showings, and the Bears probably not a very good team in the long run either. But you got to like this production. I, I mean, this is, this is a team that, while it's a defense that has been good before, I don't know if they have be- ever been this good in back-to-back weeks at just forcing turnovers, you know, forcing mistakes. And we could probably call them garbage time turnovers today. The Shaq Barrett pick six, you know, the, the Christian Isian interception. Well, the, 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 the Barrett, Shaq pick, Barrett six, pick six, maybe not. That, 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 that's, yeah, that's a critical point. The the Isian one, that that's garbage time. But it is it still counts. You know, it's still going to count in the stat sheet. Yeah, and, and that's the type of stuff from this defense that I think you were missing before with an offense that just wasn't good. And this offense, I think, has proven to me over the first two weeks that they're on pace to be a lot better than where we were this time last year, for sure. But when you have a defense that has scoring ability, I mean, when you have a defense in the NFL that at any given moment could take the ball away and you're confident in trusting that defense, you know, the move today where the Bucks decided on fourth and one to just kick it away late in the game and trust their defense, it paid off. Todd Bowles put his trust into the defense. Shaq Barrett gets a pick six, calls game. That's it. That's exactly what the Bucs needed in that moment, and their defense came up huge. And uh, I don't know if they're going to get that much credit in the long run for it, but they absolutely should today. Chase McLaughlin had that one kick that was blocked. So can't. I'm, I'm, I'm never going to blame the kicker. Yeah, but he made all of his other kicks today. So uh, mm-hmm. can't be mad at him there, right? Two for three, his longest from yeah. 26. Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, you didn't really get your checklist wish. You wanted him to kick a, a longer kick. But, hey, you know, if they're all short like that, who cares? Um, but, yeah, I thought he was good. And then Jake Camarda, obviously. Jake Camarda with, a, um, with the first punt he had was just a, a, a boomer. I mean, didn't even 
it didn't bounce and then go into the end zone. It bounced inside the end zone. And that, that's how far he kicked it. And then obviously the one right before uh, the Shaq Barrett pick six, where he was pinned down in there inside the 10. That's exactly what you're looking for from your punter. Exactly what you're looking for in that situation. So uh, great job by Jake Kamara. He's really, I, I think, turning into, and not many people are, are talking about, I, I think he's turning into one of the better punters in the NFL. Uh, it just being able to locate kicks, kick it with power as well, create situations for your defense where they're going to stuff the offense back there. Uh, I think Jake Camarda uh, has been really, really good. So, yeah, special teams, though, uh, was pretty big. Besides that block kick, like you, you can't really have any complaints on special teams there. Yeah, he's got a really good feel for the game. And, again, you mentioned that absolute cannon of a leg that he has uh, excited to see what he can do in the future. But realistically, you know, the Bucks played so well today. It always happens like this on the podcast. The Bucks played so well today that I feel like we just don't have that much to talk about. Like, I, you know, we, we could obviously nitpick, and I'm sure that between now and our next episode, we're going to find some more things to break down and, and some things the Bucks can improve moving forward. But when you look at their performance today, tackling is something that I think definitely needs to be improved moving forward. You know, th- this this Todd Bowles defense... They're good at blitzing. I, I think they, they blitzed. Uh, and I actually think they started to find success against the Bears offense because they blitzed less. Yeah. Um, as the game went on that first drive, there was two big plays on blitzes. I think Justin Fields was really getting the ball out quick on them blitzes and it burned them. So, um, and Mikey's asking in the chat. Yes. Chase Edmonds did get hurt. Uh, he did not come back in the game. I believe it was a knee injury. So don't know about a status or anything. Uh, Jamel Dean also said he just had the wind knocked out of him. So Jamel Dean's fine. Uh, but yeah, Chase Edmonds, uh, got hurt during the game did not return. So, um, we'll see about his status for this coming week. Obviously the bucks have an extra day to rest up. So, um, we'll see what, uh, uh, what status Chase Edmonds is, but yeah, it's um, yeah, I I, I sort of sort of got the point, but you know, yeah, I mean, you uh, know, certain situations, like I was saying, there's certain situations where it does feel tackling has to be better, you know, yeah. like it it's been a bend but don't break defense, and if you can give up seven yards but make the tackle, then that's great, but if you give up seven yards and then give up six more yards after the catch that result in the first down, that's the type of stuff that's going to prevent you from getting off of the field, and we did see that a little bit today. Uh, but obviously that's something that's going to get cleaned up over the course of the season because these teams are just going to get better, hopefully, as more games continue to be played. Let's check in on the live chat really quickly. G Vegas and Willie Beeman, the moderator, holding it down. says tackling is always going to be an issue with the soft NFL regulated practice. G Vegas says they need to tackle much better next Monday. And Gedeke has to play almost a perfect game as well. Penalties and not blocking very well. What did you make of Luke Gedeke today? Because he did get his name called. And uh, I, I don't want to say it's another week in a row where he struggled because we talked about how Baker didn't get sacked at all today. But I definitely think he was having a hard time out there at, at some moments. Yeah, like I said, I mean, Baker didn't get sacked at all. But like I said, I think he didn't get sacked sometimes because he was avoiding them. Uh, he did a pretty good job at avoiding some of them. So I don't believe the offensive line played as good as they did last week. And I thought Gedeke was okay. Um, I just thought the whole offensive line was just okay. They opened up some lanes. Um, I, I'll never understand. I just, none of their bootlegs work. Because a bootleg is supposed to draw in the defender and give the quarterback time. It never, the defender's always right in Mayfield's face. Exactly. I was going to say the same thing. Every time he rolls out on a play action bootleg or a play action rollout, it always seems like that linebacker 
who's either playing the spy or just playing that zone or whatever, comes down and he's right there. And Baker's either just got to hang on and try and run it or get rid of the ball incredibly quick. But I, I agree with you. I've noticed that as well. Yeah, I just I don't understand that. But um, yeah, like I said, I thought the offensive line played okay. They got to play much better. Um, I think they they know that. And because, like I said, there was some pressures that the Bears had that Mayfield was just able to avoid and either avoid the sack and end rush or uh, avoid the sack and just get rid of the football. So I do think they have to be better. But again, it's it's a, just like we talked about last weekend on the game preview. It's a group that is playing together for the first time and they only they have, they have eight quarters under their belt like eight quarters of football under their belt of fully playing together so i'm willing to give them a, a bit more time as well but um yeah i mean like i said but getting he was fine cody mount got called for a penalty a little bit earlier in the game tristan Wirfs got called for a penalty um but you know like i guess i they got the job done basically is what i'm trying to say it wasn't pretty uh, specifically on the offensive line, but they were able to do the job. The run game, they were able to open up better holes in the run game to find lanes for Rashad White to go in. And I just think it it paid off because you're able to find that balance. Yes, the play action can work when you don't have a run game, but when the run game is successful, the play action worked even better. So I, I do think that helps a lot as well. I think it's another week in a row we're on the offensive side of the ball. We saw the blueprint come to fruition for the Bucs and how they want to run this offense. You know, we, we talked about that magical number for passing attempts for Baker. Let's just say 35 for the sake of this example. You know, right around 30 to 35 passing attempts a game seems like the most they want to give Baker. He only gets 34 this week, making the most of it. 26 for 34, 317 yards and a touchdown. But if you can get over 100 yards on the ground control the time of possession, and Baker doesn't have to throw the ball more than 30 times, that's all they want to accomplish week in and week out. With the defense playing as well as they have, I do think the points that were left on the field today, you know, the overthrow to Chris Godwin in the end zone where you got to settle for three points, a couple of other examples like that, against better teams, absolutely that's going to bite you. But mm-hmm. so far it hasn't. And I think the blueprint that the Bucks want this offense to be so far, with the defense playing as well as it has, it's proving to be a winning formula. Again, yet to see if it's going to beat those better teams left on the schedule that we have talked about. But so far with what we have seen, I think Bucks fans, Bucks players, and Bucks coaches have to at least feel pretty good uh, about what they have established over these first two weeks here. Yeah, and, and Mayfield's averaging 34 yards, uh, 34 yards, 34 throws a game. Because he had 34 last week. So uh, the exact same total number of throws. He was 21 of 34 last week and then uh, 26 of 34 this week. So five more completions, obviously a lot more yards. Uh, last week, he only had 173 yards through the air. This time, 317. So a lot more yards, which is good to see. It does help with the Mike Evans thing. Uh, some of the, the yak, you know, that inflates the numbers a little bit. Not necessarily true air yards there. It's not 317 yards in the true air. But um, it's always a weird stat to me why, like, why do quarterbacks, like, if it's a 99-yard touchdown, they get 99 yards. Right. Like, why Even do you get 99 it seven yards? yards. Out of those, yeah, like, like, no wonder, like, people are like, Oh, can a quarterback pass for 6,000 yards or whatever? It's because of stuff like that, like, that, that that's why. Um, but yeah, I mean, 
I think in an ideal world, yeah, they want to have Baker down under 30, but 34, like it got the job done. I, I don't think you want to see them approach. I don't think they want to either, like 40, like, but there will probably be a game this season where like they have to. Like there will be a game this season where the defense is not going to play great and they're going to need points and they're going to need points quickly and they're going to be down a lot of the game and then Baker Mayfield is just going to have to throw the ball. So uh, there will be times this season, but I think in an ideal world, like you said, they sort of are looking for that 25 to 30 range, maybe a little bit over 30, like 34 and being able to run the football. Like, and that's, and sometimes it can be boring. Sometimes it can be frustrating with how, you know, conservative it can be or whatever. But um, I mean, it's worked so far. The offense is averaging 20 points as well. 20 points in, in both games for the offense. Again, just like you said, against better teams might not fly. Like again, against better teams, the missed opportunities, might not fly missing coquitos on a wide open touchdown missing chris godwin having to block field goal stuff like that is not gonna fly against the better teams but against teams like chicago and minnesota you can squeak it out and then you just gotta hope you learn from it and be able to get better at it so that's what i think the hope is here yeah we haven't had to see this bucks offense play in panic mode yet either you know they have not been in a situation where they're down 10 plus points in the third quarter and they have to completely abandon the run game and start getting creative in the past. We haven't seen them do that, luckily. But there is going to be some point in the season where we do, and the question is also going to become, what kind of offense do they look like under pressure when they're playing stressed out, when there's a lot more going on, when the speed of the game has been amped up a little bit and you don't absolutely own the time of possession battle and you're losing the turnover battle? What are they going to look like in that stress situation? And uh, that's when we're going to see hopefully the best of Dave Canales and he's going to be put through the ringer as an offensive coordinator. But again, some more stuff that'll be exciting to see as it happens, but final thoughts for this game, Evan, not a lot of calls today. If you want a chance to get a last minute call for this week's post game show, 305-224-1968 is the number to call. The meeting ID this week is 747-973-0150. Evan thoughts moving forward as the Bucks have an extra day of rest to get ready for the defending NFC champions on Monday night football. Yeah. I mean, two and O is two and O. Um, and I would say, you know, I appreciate two and O right. Be happy that they're two and O at the same time. Like it doesn't mean that like, you know, there, this whole season is going to be sunshine and rainbows. Like there's going to be two and O <laughs> yeah. 2018, the 2018 bucks started off two and O finished the year five and 11. Like, it happens. I'm not saying it's going to happen to this team, but it can happen. Like we always talk about there's ebbs and flows to a season. Like it's like a roller coaster. There's going to be ups right now. There's an up, there's going to be some downs. So hopefully they can come out and, and compete against Philly. You know, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't know. I know Philly's got some injuries, not sure the status of some of those guys. Maybe you, you squeak one out. And I think that would be a game where really you, know, you turn a lot of heads. You're able to win that game, especially on, on prime time. Um, but I mean, like I said, two and zero is two and zero, and there's a lot of teams in this league right now that are zero and two. And I don't think a lot of people expected the Bucks to be two and zero. You and I didn't expect the Bucks to be two and zero. So uh, it is a, a a good thing, and it's a positive thing. And hopefully, you can keep building that positive momentum towards you know winning more games consistently, and then making a run for the playoffs. Yeah, and then moving forward, you know, these two wins to start the season it guarantees you're at least two and two headed into the bye week. You know, we right. talked on our season prediction show about how a lot of people had the bucks going one and three 
if we were being realistic with the strength of the schedule over these first four games, the Vikings proven to kind of be some bums. The Bears are exactly who we thought they were going to be. So for the Bucs, you got to feel pretty good about it. Now, again, they're not going to feel great about dropping these next two games, not saying that that's going to happen. But if that does happen, you're still you're looking, at, looking at yeah, looking at the grand scheme of things. Two and two is not there. Right. And, you know, with with the uh, with the level of talent they were going to be going up against over the first month, I think two and two is a solid start because you and I both had them going one and three. And listen, if you win one more game over these next two weeks, then you subvert the expectations that much more, which gets people Mm -hmm. that much more excited, get your players that much more bought in. And we can get even more excited about what the Bucs are building here in Tampa Bay. But 27 to 17, your final score as the Buccaneers win their home opener against the Chicago Bears, an old NFC Central opponent. The next time we see the Bucs play the NFC Central, we'll be coming out of the bye week. It'll be the return of the creamsicle week six. So that's going to be exciting next week. Again, we had mentioned they have an extra day of rest. Monday night football against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then a week after that, they close out before the bye week taking on the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans. But ladies and gentlemen, we don't seem to have any calls today, so I believe that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. We will talk to you guys early on this week to give you some more thoughts on the game. Maybe we'll be joined by a special guest. Who knows? But thank you so much for checking us out live here on YouTube today. Subscribe for more Tampa Bay Buccaneers content if you haven't. And make sure to find the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. And, of course, check out his written work at BucksNation.com. What do you got coming up this week? Uh, yeah, obviously the the game reactions that I do, which is basically just looking at Twitter um, and not necessarily like reactions from players or anything, but sort of getting a pulse for what the Twitterverse thinks or, you know, Xverse, I guess I could say, um, thinks of, of the game, uh, national media thinks of the game, stuff like that. Uh, and just like overall thoughts from like what people are saying on social media. So I have that out um within the next day or so and then obviously starting next week going to be looking at the the q a again for the eagles so i believe it's bleeding green nation is the eagles sb nation site so hopefully i'm uh, going to be getting a davy jones locker q a up there so go over to bucksnation.com and check that out absolutely uh absolutely hate that x verse comment it will always be <laughs> twitter to me which means you can follow me on twitter at Redicus. if you follow me i will follow you back you can also find me on instagram but Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do it. I'm your host, Rip Matthew, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. Thank you again for listening. We will talk to you later this week with more Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. Happy Victory Monday to those of you who celebrate, and we will talk to you soon. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening, and go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.